0: It's Kane Hodder from Friday the 13th. You are listening to 13 Days of Friday on Rock Video Rental.
1: Welcome everybody to Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon and with me is Caleb. Um, We are continuing on with our Friday the 13th Marathon. Uh, We are now to Friday the 13th, the final chapter. It is from 1984. It was directed by Joseph Zito. And the cast is Kimberly Beck as Trish, Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis, Crispin Glover as Jimmy, Eric Anderson as Rob, Judy Aronson as Samantha, Peter Barton as Doug, uh, Joan Freeman as Mrs. Jarvis, Clyde Hayes as Paul and Ted White as Jason this time around. Uh, the plot for this one is, after being mortally wounded and taken to the morgue, murder Jason Voorhees spont- spontaneously revives and embarks on a killing spree as he makes his way back to his home at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, so this one is widely regarded as probably the best in the series. Okay. Um you know, I said when we started doing this, you know, after we watched the first one that the first one was is a very important movie in the Mm -hmm. horror genre. Mostly because of what it spawned. Yeah. And, you know, how much money it made and everything. Where I feel like two, three, and four are the best of the series. Um and then a couple more, like a little later on, are, are still pretty good, you know, compared to some of the lows in the series or some of the lows in the, sh- the slasher genre uh, in general. Okay. But, um, so I'm sure you really like laughed at the beginning of this. There's another recap. Yes. But This time it's a recap of the whole series.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> oh man. I can't remember. So I'll remember obviously when we start going through these some more, but, I can't remember the first one they have that doesn't have a recap.
2: Well, we're about to find out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because I feel like a recap is really unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't really, there's not not very much continuity in these movies. Like every one of them seems to have like their own rules for Jason.
2: Yeah. Well, they could have, with this one i felt like with i mean because they picked up right afterwards you know mm-hmm. um and at the same location so honestly it's kind of like they didn't really need to recap i mean this one was probably the one that would have made the most sense if they didn't do a recap because it was as soon as it was done boom here we are they're cleaning up the mess from the last the last movie
1: Yeah, for sure. So there was part two, and then part three took place a day after part two. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part three is technically Saturday the 14th, and then um, this would be Sunday the 15th, because it takes place a day after part three.
2: Nice, I didn't (laughs) think about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, And, I mean, they pump these movies out so fast, like a year in between almost all of them. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really surprise me um that they just went oh it's a day after day after day after (laughs)
0: um
1: that kind of hits the fan after a while and the timeline's a little murky at best but um you know i guess we can talk about a little bit about the movie um you know we get the big cast of characters you get you know Trish is the final girl. She's You got the Jarvis family, which is uh, the boy, Tommy, the mom. Um, and then you got Trish, who is the final girl. Uh, and then, you know, Corey Feldman, it's one of his earlier roles in this movie as Tommy. And uh, a lot of people kind of say, you know, like his character was supposed to be a nod to Tom Savini. who did the special effects for the first one and for this one.
2: Oh, yeah, I I get that. I can see that. Yeah. And it's,
1: I don't know, if you watch as many slasher movies as I do and you see a slasher movie that has special effects of Tom Savini and then one that has the special effects of anybody else, there's a big difference. Okay. Um, He is, like, kind of known as, like, the master of practical effects. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's never used CG or anything like that. He does all, like, makeup and, um, you know, real-life stuff. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, the, the simple things that he can use to make things look realistic. Yeah. And, you know, to do things on a budget. And, yeah, he's kind of the, like, the grandmaster of gore, I've heard him called before, so... <laughs> he did he actually this is the second time doing a movie with Joseph Zito the director he did the um, 1981 movie uh, The Prowler okay which is a really like mean spirited kind of gory slasher movie Um, all the kills are like super brutal in it there's like a head explosion at the end (sighs) which um, you know I talk about him taking everyday things and like simple ideas and making them look fairly realistic. Uh, The head explosion at the end was just like a plaster cast of the guy's head or like a a latex cast of the guy's head filled with um, fake blood and then like crab dip (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) to get like the nasty bits that blow up on the wall and everything. So it's just, you know, the way he did things and, there's like uh, documentaries and stuff with him in it where he shows like all the simple ways that he did these complex kills. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, his special effects are on full effect in this movie. It's some of the best in the series. I'd say uh, a lot of gruesome stuff, a lot of like fairly realistic looking stuff for an eighties movie. Um, so basically like, the plot for this is you get this group of friends that are just going to like a lake house for a vacation and, you know, the Jarvis family's next door and then Jason kind of stumbles across these people and he starts picking them off one by one. Um, Mm. Not much change with a plot in a Friday the 13th movie. They're all pretty much the same. Somehow, uh, somehow teenagers have to get to Crystal Lake and then Jason just starts killing them. Of course, yeah. Um, one character. There's a few characters in this that are like a little irritating, and some are like pretty amusing. Uh, the one that really drove me nuts is the girl Sarah. Okay. And I feel like I can't remember who played her, but um, Barbara Howard. Okay. Yeah, I feel like she reminded me a lot of Sarah Jessica Parker.
2: Uh yeah, actually I think that popped into my head at one point.
1: <laughs> Which I can't I can't really stand her. Um she's mildly irritating. But like yeah. this girl is so obnoxious, like she's keeps like leading her boyfriend on, and then she like makes a big deal about everything. And like she's like whining and complaining and how everything's like so difficult for her, and she's scared about all this other stuff. And it's just like, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, uh, I've, seen, I've seen this movie quite a bit And it's like just this time watching it I'm like god she's annoying
2: I wasn't sure that she was Like that she Had a boyfriend I was a little bit kind of Confused on exactly what the dynamic was with her
1: <laughs> Yeah either Like either she had a boyfriend Or just like a guy that was really into her Okay Yeah that's kind of how I, I I took it Um, but that. Uh, Another character that always stands out to me as being like the douche of the movie is Ted, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Teddy Bear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's like hitting on every single girl in the cabin and like trying to get some. And he's like pretty much the only one that doesn't, which is hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, he's just a complete and utter tool. And all he does is like pick fun and rag on his friend Jimmy, who is played by Crispin Glover. (laughs) yeah and Jimmy is one of those characters he's just funny like because he's so neurotic and he's such like a dweeb mm-hmm. but then he like ends up with ends up with like one of the better looking girls that Ted was going after yeah yeah and it just cracks me up and you know one of the scenes that always stands out to me which has become like a famous part from this movie is like his dance scene yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that crazy dance he does where he's just like in a flailing all about and I don't know if you guys have ever seen like interviews and stuff, Chris Glover Like he's an interesting guy. He's very strange.
2: That's that's funny. Yeah, no, that that definitely stood out to me, that scene. And I, I did think about the dynamic of him and Ted, of Jimmy and Ted, because it was just kind of funny to see how they put a, that in there. And I do Uh, in the general scope of this movie, it was put together well, like a lot of, uh, the first three and, you know, downtime or kind of weird gaps and different things like that. This one flowed really well and, uh, the, not character development, but the interactions that they had with the different characters, um, the, what they built with Jimmy and Ted was maybe one of the more interesting ones just because they had kind of deeper conversations than most of the other characters.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that could be also saying uh, this, like said the same for um, the ca- character of Samantha and a character of Sarah.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause that,
1: they have a similar dynamic where Samantha is more of like the, I don't know, kind of like the, um, the more loose good time girl. Mm-hmm. Where Sarah's like the more reserved, like good girl.
0: Yeah. But
1: they're, they're friends, and she's like, Samantha's trying to get her to come out of her shell a little bit, where, you know, Sarah's trying to get Samantha to maybe reel it in a little. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah, it's kind of a funny dynamic there, too. And, you know, you, you started saying something about character development. Um, for this series, like, this movie does a pretty good job at developing some of their characters and, like, yeah. making you care about some of them, mm-hmm. where you know, later installments kind of just the characters just become bodies for Jason to pile
2: up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They started the last one they did. uh, I feel like they started that they started more of the character development and then they took it to a new level with this one. And yeah, Jimmy and Ted, uh, it was just kind of interesting because it felt um, rather Mm, realistic you know what they were doing with them because totally cliche you know guy talk conversation ragging on each other Uh Ted you know putting Jimmy down the whole time and then Ted winds up being the one that gets stuck without a girl at the, uh, at the end of it all so
1: yeah and then like Jimmy kind of rubs it in
2: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> to make him feel like a douche um, yeah that cracks me up every time I see it uh, another character that I liked because he was just so ridiculous was kind of a throwaway character at the beginning of the movie. And that's the, um, I don't know if he's like a nurse or a doctor, but Axel.
2: Okay.
1: He's like the, the pervy doctor who like says all these really uh, sexual things to like the nurses and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm talking about? He's watching like the aerobic workout thing.
2: Oh yeah. And yep. He, I know who you're talking yeah. about.
1: He might have been like a coroner or something like that, but he's working at the morgue. Mm-hmm. But that guy, he always stands out to me too. He's just like everything he says just makes your skin crawl or like, he's just cussing and swearing a lot.
2: He made me think of who's the guy in the big bang theory with the lisp. Oh, Barry Kripke. Yeah. He made me, uh, he came <laughs> to mind when I saw that character.
1: Yeah. Pretty similar character. Just not as annoying as Kripke.
2: Yeah. For sure, and no, that that intro scene was kind of interesting, and I mean, part of it was, I felt was a little ridiculous, where it's just like, dude, who, why is the body not put away yet, and mm-hmm. who in their right mind would want to fool around in a room with dead bodies? <laughs> I,
1: I guess if you're around them all the time, it becomes like the new normal. I guess. So, uh, I guess, you know, we can, there's not really too much you can say about the movie. Like I said, it's really like similar to the other ones. It's done a lot better than the other ones, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, with character development and kills and stuff like that. So we can get in talking about the kills. Uh, this has a body count of technically 14, but that's if you count Jason. So, you know, I mentioned Axel. He ends up getting a hacksaw to the throat, and then he gets his head, like, twisted around.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that was really brutal. Um, Nurse Morgan, she gets... The one that was, like, fooling around with Axel, she gets gutted with a, sca- a scalpel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, lifted off the ground with it. Um, there's a hitchhiker who they just refer to as the fat girl in the credits. <laughs> she gets a knife to the back of the neck and it comes out her throat yeah Uh, so Samantha the kind of the slutty girl she gets a knife through the torso on a raft Um, and that's like Jason coming up through the water and stabbing her in the stomach
2: funny Um, thing about that is my parents had rafts like that at their house Did they? (laughs) yeah I was just like oh my gosh I've seen those rafts before
1: (laughs) at least she didn't get a knife to the stomach (laughs) right Uh, So Paul, he gets a spear to the groin. Terry gets a spear to the back. Mrs. Jarvis gets killed off screen. You got to love the off screen kills.
2: Yeah, that was Uh, a little
1: weird. Yeah, that happens a fair amount in slasher movies. Friday the 13th is kind of notorious for that.
2: Actually, can we talk about the Terry one real quick? Yeah. I thought that was one of the more creative ones um just because they i was a little surprised that she died right then because they panned past her and then they used the shadow to show jason killing her Mm -hmm. and i thought that was just uh more creative i mean all of his special effects and everything are creative and well done but that was just more of a creative um i don't know if you would say like artistic take on it was yeah that, that interesting perspective and when it happened i was i was like oh you know that was that was different that was interesting and then <laughs> but almost immediately right after that i almost busted out laughing because then it was where i think she was at the end of the spear and he threw the spear with her on it yeah into the side of the house <laughs> and it was very obvious that it was a dummy Mm -hmm. which I mean it still looked good and everything but that made me laugh (laughs)
1: yeah Um, and then when Jimmy gets killed that always cracks me up too because like you know he's going to the kitchen to get a drink and he's looking around he's like um, he's like hey Ted where's that corkscrew at I can't find a corkscrew then he's like hey asshole where's the corkscrew and all of a sudden like it gets stabbed through his hand Mm-hmm. and then uh, he screams that jason buries a meat cleaver into his face
0: <laughs> yeah
1: that was really brutal um but that where's the corkscrew that also it goes right through his hand always cracks me up <laughs> um and then tina the other twin terry's twin she gets thrown through a window and then lands on a car and like all the windows blow out in a car when she hits it yeah that one always makes me laugh because i'm always like you know she only fell like 15 feet Mm -hmm. would that kill you
2: uh i mean like if you hit your head right and your neck uh for sure i mean it doesn't take too much to snap and everything but the part that makes me laugh is just there it would need a lot more force to cause all the windows to blast out of that car so That that was a part that kind of made me laugh.
1: Yeah, and I always think, too, like, um, one thing that would have been better is if they, like, he threw her out and she landed on her head. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if she would have, like, they would have, like, a crunching sound, like she broke her neck, that would have been more effective, I feel like.
2: Yeah, they could have emphasized it more. Or it would have been kind of interesting, too, if he threw her out and she landed on, you know something like farm equipment or something.
1: Yeah. Um, so the, the douchebag Ted, he gets a knife to the back, like through a projector screen mm-hmm. and then he slides down it and there's like a blood trail on a projector screen. Um, Doug gets his head crushed up against a wall.
2: <laughs> that was a pretty gruesome one.
1: Yeah, it was cause just like the sound effects of the guy's face smashing into the shower wall. Uh, annoying Sarah gets an axe to the chest. And then Rob gets a... Uh, like a trowel through the throat. Like a garden trowel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then... Comes Jason. And this... So when this movie came out, it was supposed to be the final Friday 13th. Thus the name of the final chapter. Yeah. And... So they were trying to think of like the best way to kill Jason off. Like Jason's like this big character and you know, it's these movies are known for their brutal kills. So we have to do something in a brutal way to take Jason
0: out. Mm
1: -hmm. Like a definitive kill. And uh, you know, the end we get a good chase and fight back from Trish, who is actually a pretty good final girl. She's one of the best ones in the series. Mm -hmm. She's like resourceful. She's smart. She's, um, you know, kind and, you know, um, caring and everything like that. Like, all the, the things that you'd, you'd want, like, in a final girl in these movies.
2: But she and didn't then- help Rob. <laughs> like, she just watched. It's like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. And then, hey, at least the dog got away. Another another instance of the dog being the smartest character in the movie. Yep. Uh, that happens quite a bit in Friday 13th.
2: Yeah. The dog <laughs> jumped, jumped out that. the window.
1: He's like, I'm out of here.
2: Yeah. I, I wasn't sure exactly what happened with that. I was like, okay, did the dog jump out or did somebody th- did Jason throw him out? I was a little confused when it happened. So,
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. But he, he got out of Dodge. Um, yeah. So, while Trish is, like, fighting Jason off, Tommy comes in, and he, like, has shaved his head to, like, kind of look similar to Jason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, he calls out to Jason and distracts him. And, um... I don't... This part is always weird to me, like, did he have to shave his head to like is jason that dumb that he's like oh i'm looking at myself when i was a kid
2: (sighs) yeah i was a little confused by that too so i don't know exactly what that ploy was i mean was it hey you know am i looking at myself or hey this kid is was like me yeah. I was I was really interested when they showed that Corey Feldman, uh, his character was in there because I was just like, wow, how is, how is Jason going to act with a kid? You know, is mm-hmm. he going to go after a kid, um, and attack him? So it was I, I didn't know if they were going to use that in any way, and they uh, apparently tried to with this whole distraction thing.
1: Yeah. So through the struggle and everything, Jason's mask comes off and you get to see like his mangled up face and kind of cool, like makeup effect. He's got like a weird kind of grin on his face. Mm -hmm. And um, while Tommy distracts him, like Jason gets a machete to the side of the head and it makes him collapse to the ground. And he lands like face first and the handle of the machete hits and then Jason like slowly slides down the blade mm-hmm. and like, you can see his mouth moving and his eye twitching, And then like he collapses. And then, uh, you know, Trish and Tommy kind of like hug and are like trying to come down from everything that happened. And then Tommy sees Jason move and he gets a machete and just starts hacking the crap out of him. Yeah. and Like yelling, die. <sighs> and, you know, he just like flips out and, this is another case of this series not knowing how to end their movies (laughs) because they could have just ended it right there. Yeah. But we get another hospital scene where Trish is in the hospital and a psychiatrist is like talking to her saying, you know, he has no recollection of what happened sometimes in traumatic things like this like the mind just kind of shuts off and he reacted in a way that he like thought was necessary mm-hmm. like he should be okay that's just like a one time thing and then Tommy comes in and they hug and then all of a sudden Corey Feldman looks at the camera and like it zooms in like on his uh, like blank look on his face and then that's the end of the movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> setting it up it's like okay is there going to be another one where tommy becomes jason and starts killing people Mm -hmm. but we'll find that out when we do part five
2: (laughs) dun 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 (laughs) um a question and i'm trying to remember do the other three all end with somebody like in a hospital or whatnot like in an ambulance, because so the first one ends and she's in a hospital. I can't remember mm-hmm. her name. Yeah. The Alex. third one. The third one ends with someone in the hospital, isn't it? No.
1: The second one has an ambulance.
2: Oh, and they don't really show her though. They just show her taken away, right? Yeah. The third one, uh, they show her being taken, taken away. away yep and then this one the person's in the hospital again mm-hmm. yeah so it's always seems like they they're just like they have to reference that so yeah, apparently,
1: I feel like they they like really want to have things all tied up and then they're like oh it made a lot of money so we got to make a sequel so how are we going to do this
2: <laughs> yeah the the two things that seem to be uh the three things i guess that seem to be running throughout all four of these movies is Jason Voorhees. A lot of people die, and the final person is going to be shown alive either in the hospital or in an ambulance.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And the (laughs) dog is the smartest character.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, So I can get into trivia. I got quite a bit for this movie because there's a lot of interesting things with this movie. Yeah. Um, So we mentioned the dance that Crispin Glover does. So that was a way that he would like legit dance in nightclubs.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So on set, um, he was dancing to back in black by (laughs) ACDC. And when they did the movie, they dubbed over the song love is a lie by lion. Nice. Um, So at the time of this movie, it contained the most nudity and gore in the series. So, That's quote, at the, at the time.
2: <laughs> that seems about right.
1: Yeah, because it is a very, like, bean-spirited, gory movie. I could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this this is the last movie in the series to immediately pick up where the last one left off. So, I mentioned, you know, um, the one day later thing and I how know. those three are tied together. So this movie had a $1.8 million budget and it made $32.6 million.
2: Nice.
1: Uh, The character Axel that I mentioned, so the workout video that he watches is called Aroba and that's from 1982 and it stars Darcy DeMoss who went on to have a role in Friday the 13th part six, Jason lives.
2: Oh, nice. That's funny. Yeah,
1: that is kind of funny. So at the one hour, two minute mark, Uh, There's a scene where Rob talks to Trish about his sister, Sandra. Uh, He is referring to Sandra, who was one of the victims in Friday the 13th Part 2.
2: Okay, which one's that one? She was the one that got impaled
1: when she was sleeping with her boyfriend. Oh, okay. They both got impaled with the spear.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was wondering, like, I... I remember catching that part and it was so fast. Like it was weird how they put that in there.
1: Oh yeah. Like the first couple times I saw this movie, I didn't even make that connection.
2: Yeah. I I understood that he was essentially saying that Jason killed his sister, but I was just like, I have no reference on figuring out what movie it was from and you know, any of that.
1: Yeah. And like, I didn't even think of that until last year I went and saw Friday the 13th part two and the final chapter together like in the theater and like in between or before the movies like this guy came out and he like give like some backstory on it and he said I always saw four as a direct sequel to two because that's how they tie together and I'm like oh my gosh I never really thought about that I could never like piece that together
2: so wait a minute didn't you say that part two was on the 13th yeah. And part three is
1: on the fourteenth. Yep, and then part four is on the fifteenth.
2: Man, you like day apart. so. Ra, uh essentially, they're saying Rob's character was re- like really quick on things. Like when his sister died two days before, he came hunting for Jason. Yeah, like right away. yep yeah. So that's a little interesting, mm-hmm. but. All right.
1: So the last one I got. So Joseph Zito, I had mentioned that he previously directed the movie The Prowler. Mm-hmm. Um, they, when they reached out to him for this movie, they wanted him to both direct and write Friday Thirteenth Part Four. And he said, "But I'm not a writer." To which they said back, "Here's a contract paying you double to write and direct." And then he responded, "Yeah, I'm totally a writer." <laughs> <laughs> so Zito used the extra salary that he got to hire Barry Cohen to somewhat secretly write the script. Nice. And then their process entailed Zito talking, night talking to um, Barry, Barney Cohen, and um, Phil Scuderi in one-hour phone calls to discuss the story in a script for the final chapter. So and wait. then the next day. Oh, um, the next day Zito, you know, would meet with Cohen in an apartment in New York and they would like relay what the notes and ideas Scuderi had. Which they would later turn to the script and then, um, you know, after they got that, then they would like, have another discussion. So basically, like he kind of just took ideas from two other guys and figured out how to get them to work together.
2: So did those guys get credit?
1: um, I don't know if they got credit, but he did pay them with like, you know, part of what
2: his contract was. Yeah. That at least is decent, but yeah, I wonder how anybody felt if there was any credit or, I mean, it seems like it's public knowledge. So that's at least, you know, not terrible, but yeah.
1: Interesting. (laughs) Um, And kind of the last thing I got here. So um, the slasher genre, was like heavily criticized by Siskel and Ebert, and they would just like tear these movies apart, and you know say how terrible they were, and how they shouldn't be made, and how they're sexist, and and all this other stuff, and just like all the brutal killings and things are things that people shouldn't watch. But uh, Roger Ebert called this film an immoral and reprehensible piece of trash.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, tell us how you really
0: feel.
1: Right, um, yeah. If you go on YouTube, you can find uh, like a lot of videos of him and Siskel, like just mm. bashing these movies. But um, I guess with that, we can get into grades.
2: Well, hold on, real quick. I think you okay. know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't do it in your trivia and everything, but you know who Crispin Glover is, right?
1: Yeah, like I know who the yeah the actor is.
2: You know what else he was in?
1: Um, he was George McFly in Back to the Future.
2: Yeah, okay. I was just kind of <laughs> surprised that that didn't come up in your information. So, Because I actually, when I saw it, I was just like, dude, I swear that's George McFly. <laughs> and I actually didn't look it up until tonight. So, uh, But it was just, it was tough to tell because he looked really similar and acted really similar, but there were enough things where I was kind of uh maybe maybe not So I had to kind of confirm that But I was a little bit surprised Um I mean I know Actors are in a wide variety of things But I mean this was just one year apart From Back to the Future
1: Yeah So um a lot of actors got their Start in Slasher movies Um you know I mentioned Tom Hanks was in He Knows You're Alone that was his mm-hmm. first movie Um Brad Pitt was In uh Cutting Class
0: Yeah.
1: And then, like, Johnny Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Kevin Bacon was in the first Friday the 13th. There's, like, a huge list of big-name actors and actresses that got their start in slasher movies.
0: Yeah,
2: I've heard some of them. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, I know um, that Crispin Glover isn't the biggest-name actor, but I just thought that was kind of interesting, and especially with how close they are to each other, 1984 yeah. and
1: 1985. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from there, we can get into our grades. Um, I pulled what it is from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, What's your guess for IMDb?
2: Ooh, uh, Fortunately, I have not seen the grade on this. Um, 7.1?
1: It is a 6.
2: Ooh, okay.
1: Yeah. Overshot that one. Rotten Tomatoes, there is a critic and an audience score. What do you think?
2: Uh audience, let's do sixty-seven percent?
1: Uh the audience is fifty-one.
2: Man, dang, it, I'm really overshooting yeah. this. So then critic, uh, I would go forty-nine percent. It is twenty. Oh my gosh. Holy crap.
1: I, I can't believe how low this one is. Um I feel like the IMDB one is closer if you're basing it on other movies. Um So what what would you give this?
2: You know, it's seen that
1: you've seen one, two, three. now 4. You've seen Part 8 and Jason X.
2: I, oh man, I really should have probably been keeping track of why I ranked the other ones. Um, I'll probably go with a 4.5. Um, a really good job in everything. I don't know if any of these, I'm going to give a 5 out of 5, Um, but uh, a 4.5 like i said development the acting was good special effects were great um this something that i want to mention to make sure that i don't forget it, i haven't said anything about it up until now um this one is the first one that made me feel like the video game okay uh, Just because, I mean, I know that there have been ones, I feel like maybe it was the only other one that was that closely related. Well, no, it it happened somewhat in uh, the second one, I believe. But just from the standpoint of Trisha's character going from one cabin to the other and back and everything and like Mm -hmm. hiding and escaping and jumping jumping through through windows. Yeah, exactly. Jumping through windows. I was just like, wow, you know, this, this makes me think of the game on how you would play it you would he would find you and then you go run someplace and you would try to hide and even though jason was faster in this movie than he would be in the game it i felt like the connection was finally made with i I mean there were so there have already been so many similarities and everything but the play style along with the style of the movie paired the best so far with this one Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah i would agree with that
2: and I thought that was pretty cool just to just to see that and kind of make that connection. Because as I've said, I've I've come into this with so many um, uh, expectations, I guess, or thoughts and predictions that were wrong just for because of my lack of knowledge of the series. So um, but yeah, I'll I'll go with I'll settle with a four point five out of five. I, uh, like I said, I don't know if I'll ever get a five out of five with any of these but what will be interesting is when we get through with all of them is to sit down for me to sit down and rank them from like best to worst. So.
1: Yeah, that's, that's always fun to do. I have done it a few times and every time I do it, I feel like my answer is going to change. And for me, this one's a, it's a five point. It's a five out of five. Um, Sometimes I go back and forth, whether, you know, this one's my favorite one or part two or part three is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say that two, three, and four are the, the best of the series. Okay. Um, there's some bad ones coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brace yourselves. Are,
1: there are some decent ones coming, some surprises. Um, but I'd say like the sweet spot for Friday the 13th are, are two, three, and four.
2: Okay.
1: So, next time, we will be reviewing Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. It is kind of a polarizing one in a series, but we'll get to that when we talk about it. Until then, be kind, rewind.